Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Eurotrip. Now, I'm sure it won't have escaped your attention that in the past few weeks, these episodes have been getting longer and longer and longer. I mean, sometimes over an hour in length, which is pretty lengthy. Uh, so we're going to try and keep things a little bit shorter this week. And we're going to kick off, Rob, with one of the big parts of an episode. Yeah, one of the most anticipated moments of the podcast. We thought we'd get straight in there, early doors this week. And you have already got next to you, sir, your big old box. I've got the box. The big box is right here, and I'm going to show you, Rob, another one of these prizes. If you are a brand new listener, I'll very quickly explain that the box next to me is full of one-of-a-kind Eurovision memorabilia that could be won by one of you listening at home if you are already part of the Eurotrip's Eurovision sweepstake. That's right. We are closed for entries now. We have enough of you for the Eurotrips Eurovision sweepstake for 2021. So if you've already sent us an email, uh, I will get back to you this week. I promise I'll make sure that you have a confirmation that you are in with a chance of potentially winning, James. What? This week, I'm going to show you this. It's a little book. It is a little book and it's got somebody on the front of it. It does. Now, do you want to tell everybody what language the book is written in? And that yeah. might give give a bit of a clue. Yeah, a lot of the book is written in German. So if you're one of our German listeners, or at least German-speaking listeners, this book could be ideal for you, as it's got a very, would you say, memorable artist on the front? I could not disagree more strongly. I would say <laughs> this is potentially one of the most, if not the most, forgettable artists of the last decade. No <laughs> offence to said artist, obviously. So you could be in with a chance of winning that book, along with that CD in a DVD case, the other things such as the tote bag, the very special tote bag. The tote bag and what you showed us last week, or you showed me at least, and we were describing it, that item, which is pretty much just somebody's massive old face. Absolutely. Some uh, one-of-a-kind stuff is in that box, and it could be heading your way if you win the Eurotrips Eurovision sweepstake. We'll be uh, doing the draw for that in Eurovision week itself, you've got to sit tight and wait for us to come and tell you which country you've got. Indeed, but we will. Don't you worry about that. That is very much on our agenda to do. It's on our to-do list, along with many, many other things. Uh, but the the most prominent thing on there is uh, to start this podcast. It's time for the Euro trip. As Jan Alassandro always said, take it away. After Hilversum, Amsterdam and The Hague, the festival is going to make its home in Rotterdam. I really hope that, you know, you will enjoy the show this year. I want to send a message to all the people. Join us on the dark side. 
Let's have a party in Rotterdam. I'm Rambo Amadeus. Hi, my name is Andrus Mamontovas. Hello, my name is Sana Nielsen. I'm Paul Harrington. And I am Charlie McGettigan, believe it or not. I'm Dave Benton, winner of the Eurovision 2001. Hey, I'm Eldar, the winner of Eurovision 2011. Hi, I'm Chris Bjorkman. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, representing Moldova at this year's Eurovision Song Contest, we are joined by Natalia Gordienko. Natalia Gordienko, by the way, which is just a very fun name to say. I enjoy Gordienko, and it also is one of those few Eastern European surnames which is pronounced exactly as it's spelt, which is very, very enjoyable. But I had an incredible lunchtime the other day having a chat to Natalia Gordienko. I will set the scene for you a little bit more as we get towards the, the interview in the episode itself. But it was it was a wild time. She's a bit bonkers, as you will hear in the episode. But, oh, so very enjoyable. Also lucky to have her as well, because I'm pretty sure that's one of her first English language interviews of this Eurovision season. And you are definitely going to want to hear what she has to say, including... This very bizarre moment that she described that happened on the set of her music video. Uh, the end of filming, they put honey on my face, and I was and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face, and I and I was doing, oh come on, I want <laughs> like you know, <laughs> but it was okay. Yeah, I've got no idea what she's talking about either. that just sums up what this interview is about it is so so much fun so make sure you stick around for that but also make sure you stick around for everything else we've got because of course the uh, Rotterdam road trip continues and this week we are going to be speaking to listener turned guest Corrie from Song Festival Forum she has been inside the arena so we'll find out what all that is about very shortly and Mike and Dale, you know those two names. They, of course, present Aussie Vision and they'll be chatting all about Montaigne and her chances in Rotterdam. So there's all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Here we are. It is Wednesday. Eurovision week. Almost here. Well, not quite. Another couple of weeks to go. But it is on the way. We saw, of course, the pictures of the stage the other day on social media. The arena itself is looking incredible. The King of the Netherlands visited the arena, which is a fantastic thing. I like to imagine our queen visiting, I don't know, the uh, the O2 and trying to see what she would make of Eurovision. What do you, <laughs> do you reckon the queen watches? Not a chance. Not a chance in hell does she sit down on a Saturday night in May, stick BBC One on and watch the Eurovision Song Contest. Not a chance, does she? Charles and Camilla fancy a bit of it, though, I reckon. Harry and Meghan over in the States, I bet you they're desperate for the American Song Contest. They'll be the first ones there. It'll be binning (laughs) off the Invictus Games. It'll be the ambassador (laughs) for the American Song Contest. Oh, dearie me, that was a very very UK monarchy-specific start to the show, which I didn't think I'd say when we went into this recording. But I think what I was meant to say is, and that will have been very bizarre to you if you are a new listener, uh, new listeners, welcome. Uh, It all starts here because you may have seen mine and James's faces for the very first time on Concert in the Dark last week, which... James, I'm sure you will agree, was sensational. And not just because we were part of the show. (laughs) No, not at all. Honestly, that show last Wednesday was absolutely tremendous. Some of those performances uh, that we saw on Concert in the Dark were incredible. Mind-blowing. Some exclusive performances in there as well. Uh, We teased a lot of it in our special Concert in the Dark preview episode last week. But boy, oh boy, were we in for a treat last week. Favourite performance of the night? Oh, it's difficult to say. I sort of teased James Newman, didn't I, last week? And that was so, so special because it was filmed uh, on the set of his music video. It was just like a live version of that. Very, very exciting, that one. Yeah, I think uh, Zoe London, of course, her after party was incredible. I want Zoe London to DJ every event that I ever have in my life from now on. Uh, And we will also do our best to get Zoe London on the podcast because we want to talk to her about her love of Eurovision. So we will try and do that. Uh, Roxanne, I think, was my favourite. I think she really stole the show. Really incredible performance of Amnesia. And uh, if she can do that in Rotterdam, I think she'll be uh, doing pretty well in the final. 
Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to get in touch with us as well uh, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and let us know what your favourite performances were. I would love to hear what you think. And also, we, uh, we'd we love to hear what you just think about the podcast in general, because this is the part where we normally read out your tweets. And we are about to do that, but in a little bit of a different way, because of course, we were uh, a bit of an interval act uh, in Concert in the Dark to break up some of the performances. Uh, it's safe to say a lot of you... Uh, were impressed to see us there you were pleased to see us there uh some of you are not so much what we thought we'd do here everybody is i don't know whether you've seen those videos on twitter of uh or youtube probably youtube that's more known for its videos uh of of celebrities reading out mean tweets uh what we're doing now is uh, me and james will take you through uh, some of the tweets that people decided they should send when we popped up on your screens last Wednesday because of course yes we wanted the performances too but you couldn't have wall-to-wall performances you needed a little break you know maybe maybe you used me and James as a toilet break and that's absolutely fine but uh yeah some people were very willing to share their thoughts of uh of the podcast weren't they they were indeed uh, I'll start off with this one from uh call me underscore JC who said very quickly Less podcast, more performances, please. At least he'd be very polite about saying he didn't really like us. Uh, and also this very funny one uh, from Tweaks Cult. Uh, How long do these irrelevant men talk for? Which is fair enough, to be honest. I mean, after you've seen wall-to-wall incredible performances, me and James are pretty irrelevant. So you know what? Fair enough. I'll give them that one. Uh, this was my favourite, and I thought this was actually quite clever. Uh, so AJ uh, tweeted to say, I mean, if these segments are indicative of how good the podcast is, I'll give it a miss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a follow-up. Uh, that wasn't enough for AJ. Uh, what then happened is they tweeted a thread of tweets uh, about their cat, which happens to be called Onion, it would appear. Uh, and the the basically crux of what she was saying was that the cat would do a better job of presenting the podcast which honestly might be true. That's not something we can disprove. It may well be true. Onion, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Feel free to come along and meow your way through an episode of the Eurotrip. One final one from me as well. Alicia tweeted, I appreciate the work, but I am not interested in the podcast or whatever. Give me the songs. To which I thought, I'm going to give that tweet a cheeky little like. And then she followed it up and said, no, James liked the tweet. James, I appreciated it a lot. I promise. I'm just anxious for the performances. She tried to get herself out of that, but I'm not sure she quite succeeded. What I enjoy about that is, and I think you did manage to get get that across, was that that entire tweet from Alicia after you liked the tweet was then in capital letters. (laughs) Yes, it was. Absolutely. And I, I responded to her, I said, no shade whatsoever. I'm here for the performance as well. Maybe you're listening, Alicia. And if you are, welcome. Hopefully you're in the mood for the podcast this time. Although judging from that tweet, she's probably not listening, is she? <laughs> so probably not. Oh, but if you do want to get in touch with any tweets like that, we're, we're up for hearing them. But you do have to appreciate that we might read them out on the podcast. So that is the disclaimer. Uh, or if you've got nice things to say or anything to comment on from what you're about to hear on this episode or any episode you listen to, uh, don't forget we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And on the email as well, you are very welcome to send us some emails. We are hello at Eurotrip Podcast. You all know what that means. It is time to round up the very latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. We are getting ever closer. The delegations will soon be flocking to Rotterdam. And James, it's you to deliver our news this week. Indeed it is. Thanks, Rob. As you say, the delegations are busy, so there's some fiddly bits of news going on here, there and everywhere. But I've picked out some of the bigger ones for you now. Uh, The biggest story of the week, which awkwardly broke between us recording and releasing last week, uh, is that Montaigne from Australia will not be travelling to Rotterdam next month due to the COVID regulations. Rob has much more on that in just a second. Uh, As we know, Eurovision 2021 is getting closer and closer. 
And there's been a few more developments on what we should expect over the next few weeks. First of all, the stand-in rehearsals in the Ahoy will commence on April 29th with 24 local singers and dancers taking the places of the 2021 artists. Before they begin rehearsals nine days later, as it's also been announced that the main rehearsals will begin on the 8th of May. The organisers have also said that they are monitoring the number of COVID infections in Rotterdam and could potentially cancel plans to allow a live audience inside the arena for the live shows. A decision is expected to be made today, the 28th of April, so keep your eyes peeled on uofwar.com for the full story. Further changes to the event in Rotterdam have also been announced. Wow, there's been a lot of announcements this week. Uh, The in-person Eurovision Village has been scrapped and will instead take place online, as organisers promise a high-quality virtual and interactive 3D world. Uh, And I'll finish with some sad news from this week that Freddie, who represented Finland at the contest in both 1967 and 1976, has passed away. Our thoughts go out to his family and friends at this time. And that, Rob, is all the news from me. Well, James, thank you very much for all the latest from the world of Eurovision. It definitely shows that the contest is getting closer. And it won't be long, of course, until the delegations are making their way to Rotterdam to start their long-awaited hotel quarantine, which I'm sure they're all very, very excited about. But, of course, somebody who will not be there, we learned last week, is Montaigne from Australia. Now, I thought it was potentially unlikely, and I'm sure many of you listening did, that Australia would unfortunately probably not make it to Rotterdam. So we thought that now that that news is confirmed, we would have a chat to two men who do another Eurovision podcast, another very popular Eurovision podcast, and it's these two. Uh, G'day, this is Dale. And g'day, this is Mike. And we're from Aussie Vision. I know there is a lot of love out there for the Aussie Vision podcast. Those guys do a brilliant job. So we thought, why not get them on our podcast too? They may be your favourite podcasting duo when it comes to the Eurovision Song Contest. What do you reckon? Oh, come on. You can't say that when us two are around. Really? Surely not. We're number one. They're number two. I don't know. I don't know if we're number one, given some of those tweets we read out earlier on in the episode. (laughs) I think that's a very big claim from us. Anyway, it was great to have Mike and Dale on the podcast. And I thought I'd start by asking them just how much of a surprise the news that Montaigne wouldn't be at Eurovision 2021. She is, of course, still performing. But I asked them how much of a surprise it was to them that she wouldn't be in Rotterdam. Not an over overly big surprise. I mean, it is disappointing not to be there because the stage and everything looks amazing and it would just be so great to see the song come to life because we always thought it was kind of a really visual staging type song. And so now to do the backup, it's great that we'll still be there. So that's the main thing that's going ahead. But yeah, ultimately disappointing that we're not going to see Australia on that amazing stage. And then, obviously, as I said, you have been fortunate enough to chat to a couple of key members of the Australian delegation. So what did you find out from them about the decision? It sounds like it was all very kind of risk assessment based and it just wasn't worth the risk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Once again, the sense of disappointment from everybody at the delegation, especially for Montaigne, they really feel for her. Second year in a row, she won't get to fulfil this kind of Eurovision dream. So that was an overriding thing. But yeah, the the sentiment we got was they tried everything. They went to look for a reason to make it happen rather than the other way around. And unfortunately, the risk was just too great uh, on this occasion, which is kind of understandable. Just give us a little idea of what the picture is right now in Australia that will have informed their decision, because for you guys right now, it's almost a we're doing okay, but we don't want it coming back. Mm, Very much so. I mean, we we pretty much have zero community transmission. And the only way that comes in is people returning back to the country um, and bringing it back in through hotel quarantine. So um, whenever anyone's going over, there's a massive risk factor of coming back. And there's also... It's the, I mean, personally, they're going to have to do for the people taking part all up. It would have been five weeks in, in hotel rooms and quarantine. But also, it's not going to be a great look as well for broadcasters to come back and potentially bring back a pandemic. Um, you know, if it's an individual athlete or if it's a whatever, but when you're talking about um, a government-funded broadcaster, um, that is potentially uh, really, really, really risky and really damaging. I think one thing that actually I thought was interesting and, and well done on you guys for asking was, you know, there was a lot of feedback on social media about, oh, well, if sports teams can go abroad, 
why can't Monten go to Eurovision? And I think actually the delegation in your podcast did a really good job of answering that. Yeah, very much so. We are under an official travel ban in Australia. We do need government permission to leave. It is granted, and I don't think they would have had an issue getting that. But, you know, if an individual sports person or a team, for example, we had our women's football team play in Europe last week, um, they were all European-based players. We did not have any Australian-based players coming back. So, yeah, it is about just assessing how much risk is there and, and if it's worth, uh, worth the cost and the risk because there is – you know, 14 days mandatory hotel uh, quarantine when you arrive in Australia. And that's for everyone. You know, the Prime Minister, Kylie Minogue, everyone. Now, let's move on to what we can expect to see from Montaigne at Eurovision, because you guys managed to get the inside scoop about the live on tape performance and what we can expect. So, you know, what did the what did the delegation tell you about that? Well, it was kind of, um, I would say, simple was a kind of uh, the, the takeaway we got, but like contemporary retro with a few kind of flashy products thrown in there. So it, <laughs> there was a little bit there, but not that much to go on. Um, but I don't think they went like super over the top or anything like that. So they might be letting the song speak for itself with just a few flashes of things. Do you, do you reckon that was the take? Yeah, he was pretty tight-lipped about, as they always are, with what to, what to expect. But I suspect he did use classic performance so, um, and a few dances. So expect mm. a, a bit of movement on that stage. It does sound definitely from from what they were saying that it is going to be kind of a more intimate performance because he was drawing comparisons to Kate's performance in 2019 and saying that, you know, other delegations make full use of the stage, but we're not going to see that from Australia this year. Yeah, actually, I hadn't even really thought about that with the Kate one. I was like, oh, actually, yeah, they didn't do it. They just stuck her up a pole and flew around a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting. They're always looking. Paul's got this, like, um, the creative director. He's always got this mind, like, how can we stand out? And he's got a real competitive mindset in that way. And he's got decades of experience. So he will be looking for a way for the song and the performance to stand out. And maybe this approach, the simplicity of it all um, might work. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. That's that. the great thing about Eurovision. You never know. <laughs> now, the one thing I do want to ask you guys about, of course, is your own personal feelings about this, because obviously you have been covering the contest for a very long time. You know, you guys at Aussie Vision have been doing a great job for how long now? Talk to us. How long have you guys been covering the contest uh, for now? Four, four years, pretty much. Actually, it's I think it's our anniversary tomorrow of four years of the first very rough podcast. <laughs> well, happy anniversary. No, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah. So, I mean, what are you thinking about what's going to happen? Because you've you've got a you've got a fine balance between being an objective media outlet covering the contest and then your own thoughts about it. Yeah, I don't know how objective we are sometimes. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, again, I guess that word disappointment is is there again and sadness because for me, and you see it so often with a lot of Eurovision entries, they go to the contest and they really sort of evolve through the rehearsal process and, and really find their feet and become the final product. And unfortunately, we've been, we're not going to get that chance with Montaigne and Technicolor. And I think with that kind of song in that semi-final, it might have been critical to just, you know, see what was going on around you, give you that opportunity to evolve and unfortunately for me that might be happening yeah and i think um we know that this semi-final is one of the toughest semi-finals we've ever seen at eurovision and monte in such a um she can sing she does get a little nervous and yes sometimes that vocal isn't a hundred percent but that's what she needs to evolve into being on stage through the week getting the confidence seeing the crowd because it's a really tricky song and if she nailed that and we could nail that amazing staging out there we still really had high hopes um, that it could get through. I think it was going to definitely be borderline. We Let's be honest. It was going to be borderline. But what we can pull it out of the fire and do something good, and that's what Australia has done in the past. This time, um, is we've had to go 0 to 100, as the delegation was saying today. There's no build-up. We just had to smash it in three takes in an hour. And, yeah, we're, we're definitely behind the eight ball now. Now, you guys are able to, to give a, a really decent look at both semi-finals, where Australia kind of shape up, because you have been putting in the yards with your rank and review podcasts, because 
you have had, I mean, I don't know how many you've done now, but you've done, well, there are 39 or 38 for you to do. I always forget how many are actually in Eurovision at this point. There's, there's, yeah, no, we're doing Australia, so there's 39, even though we didn't rank it, because it's not fair, of course. We're too, we're too, we're too biased, let's be honest. Um, but I think we've got about 15 to go. We're looking at how we're going to get them all done. So we've got about 20-odd done already. Um, but, yeah, we had, a, we had a pretty big weekend last weekend because there's a preview party up here. So we, we had a little mini break, but we're knocking off about another eight tomorrow, I think. Yeah, and to be honest, I think it's the most fun part of the season. You know, we wait all year to hear these songs and to get into them and dissect them and think about the good bits and the, and the, the not-so-good bits. Talk about it. It's fun. It's really good. And also, it's like we've got a team of people that help with all the website stuff. We do the podcast, but it's their chance to give their ranking, their chance to hear their voice. We've got lots of different accents around the place and lots of different views because, like, we have similar tastes and we're like, oh, this is amazing. Then the rest of the team ranks at, like, 35th. We're like, dead to us <laughs> but it's interesting to hear the diversity because we've got every type of person in the team it's, it's a really interesting mix you guys mentioned there that you got to have an actual pre-party in an actual bar which is a completely alien concept to, to us over here how was the event and congrats for putting such a brilliant thing on yeah, thank you. Exciting for all of us. We had one here in Brisbane. There was also one concurrently happening in Sydney and Melbourne. So, look, you know, we're very, very fortunate uh, to have done it. So, we were very grateful, but terrific. Great, great party atmosphere. Everyone got really into it. And there were some surprising results from our um, preview party poll. For example, Ukraine won here in uh, Brisbane, and I think it also won in Sydney as well. So, probably wasn't expecting that and a good time was had by all and somebody dressed as a Norwegian pop star so I was pretty happy with that (laughs) (laughs) what's not to love what's not to love Mike and Dale thank you so much for joining us thank you absolute pleasure thanks this is the Euro trip when you aren't listening you can find us on social media we're at Euro trip podcast warming you up for the Eurovision song contest so a big thanks to Mike and Dale from the Aussie Vision podcast for speaking to Rob a little bit earlier on here on the Eurotrip. And when I say earlier on, I really do mean it because, of course, Rob and I are based here in the UK. Aussie Vision, no surprises, are based in Australia. Rob, what time in the morning did you have to get up to speak to them to? I'm not going to say what time, but I'm just going to tell you it was very early and probably much earlier than I would have liked to be up. I'll, I'll go that far. It was bizarre as well because uh, Mike and Dale were just heading out for dinner uh, when I spoke to them. So they are in Brisbane, uh, which, which, by the way, looks lovely. I feel like Brisbane does not get enough press. Uh, but anyway, a big thanks again, as I say, to Mike and Dale for joining us here on the podcast to discuss all things Australia. Uh, but from one country to another, it's time for this. This is the Eurotrip's Rotterdam Road Trip. The catchiest name in podcasting. And as the contest is getting ever closer, we are continuing to get you a little behind-the-scenes preview of what is going on right now in this year's Eurovision host city. That's right, we are getting closer and closer to Rotterdam. Our little car has hopped across the channel. We have driven through the beautiful country of the Netherlands and we have parked outside of the Ahoy in Rotterdam. Last week, of course, we spoke to Stein Smulders, uh, the digital king uh, for Eurovision.tv. But now we're going to be speaking to uh, a listener come guest, uh, indeed, uh, because Cory who does a fantastic job over at Song Festival Forum. Uh, We saw a tweet from her the other day that said that she was going to be inside the arena itself, which is very, very exciting as they start to reveal everything that's been going on inside there. Very quickly, though, it was me who had the conversation with her for obvious reasons, Rob. Now, those obvious reasons are, you may remember, and we are going back a few months on the podcast now, because Corey first came to our attention when she tweeted us to say that she was actually a big fan of a thing that I am also a big fan of on this podcast. And uh, if you want a clue, it's uh, it's this. Ho, 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 dee, ho, the old podcast. It's great to be here on the ho, 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 Leslie Roy. Ho, ho. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Terry Wogan. Not actually, obviously. It was, it was me, naturally. But yes, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that uh, Corey, apparently, big fan of my Terry Wogan impression. So James, for some unknown reason, uh, thought it was better that he spoke to her and not me. Yeah, I th- well, I thought it was better for me to speak to her to try and avoid you doing the Terry Wogan impression. And oh, yet here oh, we are. Oh, 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 oh,
Sorry, anyway. I'll, let you, I'll let you go on with it. Sorry. Yes, thank you so much. As I said before, we have parked the car outside of the Ahoy and we're going to speak to Cory about what has been going on and how exciting it was for her to be inside the arena to see exactly what has been happening. But of course, it wouldn't be the Rotterdam road trip without asking our guest to begin with. What is the weather like in Rotterdam right now? Well, it's looking good, actually. There's no rain at all, no snow, so... No snow, that is the most important thing, because a couple of weeks ago we found out it was still snowing and a lot of yes. people were very nervous, but it's good to know that spring has finally sprung. It's finally here. Very exciting. Uh, and also very exciting as well, uh, you had uh, a little special visit somewhere uh, last week. So tell us where you have been. I did. I went on a guided press tour um, to the Ahoy Arena, where the Eurovision stage is um, being built. Well, it's almost, it looks almost done, actually. I'm sure it's not done at all yet. But um, yeah, we got a, a guided press tour um, through the venue, walked around the green room a little bit and um, got to uh, talk to the head of production and uh, even the stage designer, Florian Weeder, was there as well. So, um, and... Uh, one other special guest who was there as well was the king. Absolutely, so- absolutely, that is so so exciting. So you were you were one of the uh, important guests alongside the king of the Netherlands who yes. was there. Uh, give us an idea about what it was like in there, because for most people, myself included, the rest of our listeners, we probably won't be inside of the Ahoy in Rotterdam this mm-hmm. year, very sadly. So can you give us an idea of what it was like in there as they are currently building up to the contest next month? It's, um, it's very impressive. Um, it's like, it's a very big stage. Um, and the green room is right there at the part, at the uh, part of the arena where normally the fans would be standing, which gives it a very, um, cozy, a very comfortable, nice setting, despite the grand, the grandness of the stage. It has a very big LED screen at the back. And it has another very big LED screen that actually comes down from the ceiling and can come back and go back up again. Um, so it is expected to be lots of visual aspects to it as well. It looks very sleek and very uh, simplistic, but in a very sophisticated way. Yeah. How impressed were you um, looking at the, all the facilities there, including the stage, including the green room, despite, as we all know, COVID still being ever present? Uh, they must have done a very impressive job despite the circumstances. Yes. Um, uh, when we arrived there, we first had to take a, a COVID test. Um, uh, there's a lots of um, a very tight security very tight regulations, but all are very well, um, very well planned. It's all very safe. These restrictions are there, but you never really feel um, worried by it that you, you, you're unsafe. Um, they put very um, tight regulations. You had to take uh, one of those COVID tests before you're actually um, allowed to enter the venue at all. And then you get this little accreditation card and then you get um, uh, you can go further onto the venue and walk around. Um, but in the meantime, you have to keep stay distant from each other. Um, you have to um, wear a, a mouth mask. And um, but that's basically basically what they what they do all the time. Everybody, everybody who works there is um is working a very safe environment that's what the impression that i got and that's what they have to do so. now on your very special guided tour did mm-hmm. you find out any secrets is there something you, that you're not actually allowed to tell us we did see something but i'm oh. not sure i'm allowed to <laughs> oh no really <laughs> you've got some little secrets that you've got to keep with you until the uh, until the shows I know. Um, well, we spotted something in the ceiling that we probably weren't allowed to spot, but we don't know what it's for. So we can only guess. I don't have a clue. I, <laughs> I did I- ask some things about like a very big LED, uh, about the doors at the back of the LED screen. There's a very big door that hasn't been opened yet, at least not for us. Um, and it goes, it can open just like a little bit, but it can open um, completely wide and it can also, also revolve like 180 degrees. 
And that's a very impressive kind of technique that they're using, not only for the show itself, but they've said that about 10 to 15 of the artists are actually going to use it in their um, staging as well. That is all very, very exciting. I want to know more about what's on the ceiling, but I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you anymore. But of course, we're sat here talking about Rotterdam, but you aren't from Rotterdam, but you are from a very important Dutch town. Tell us where you're from. I am. I'm, I live in a town called Tilburg, which is uh, 45 minutes away from Rotterdam. And it has a school of music, and that's actually the school of music where Duncan Lawrence studied at. Um, he moved here from his small town of um, from his small town to Tilburg. So this is actually the big arcade he's sang about. That is so remarkable. it's come full circle. It has. So we finally <laughs> know that there you go. He's singing about Corrie's hometown. That's wonderful yes, to definitely. finally know. <laughs> uh, what is it like there at the moment in your hometown, but also Rotterdam? We're asking all our guests what it's like at the moment as Eurovision comes around. Is there a bit of a buzz now? Can people really tell that Eurovision is coming to town? Um, you can tell by the media, uh, you can tell by all the people talking, talking about it on TV and on the radio, they're, they're all getting very excited about it, by it. Um, of course, in Rotterdam, you can see it more than here in Tilburg because there's like no city dressing or anything. But uh, on a whole, uh, you can see, I mean, every pretty much every TV channel once or twice a day talks about Eurovision and talks about preparations, talks about the possibility of any fans being allowed in, um, talks about any news, any new guests or new acts that have been revealed. So it's the buzz is increasing day by day. It's very, very exciting, isn't it? It's very, very, very exciting. exciting. Uh, I've got to finish, Corey, by uh, doing what we always do, and that mm -hmm. is asking for uh, a little bit of a, a Dutch lesson, a word or a phrase that we have to learn. Uh, Rob uh, spoke to Stein Schmulders uh, on last mm -hmm. week's podcast, who works at Eurovision.tv, and he gave him a bit yeah. of a mouthful. I'm not going to try and repeat it. So hopefully you are... Kreidag middag borrel, that's oh, what he wow. said. Oh, no, I, I'm not even going to try. So <laughs> I remember. Please, please tell me that you've gone a little bit easier on me this week. I've got a shorter one for you, and you're probably going to be able to, to say it. So once you're inside the arena, or when you hear a very beautiful song, you get goosebumps, right? Well, here in the Netherlands, we call goosebumps kippenvel, which if you translate it to literal English, it's called chicken skin. So it's kippenvel. That sounds very easy. Uh, I'm going to give it a go. Maybe I'll mess it up. Kippenvel. That's perfect. There we go. I'm getting goosebumps listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we are watching on TV and maybe I hear Victoria singing Growing Up Is Getting Old, uh, I'll get Kippenvel. You get Kippenvel all over. Yes. Oh, perfect. perfect. There we go. Our Dutch <laughs> lessons are coming on very, very nicely. I did a very good job there. Uh, Corrie, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really You're appreciate your time. You're welcome. Here we go. This is this is the Eurotrip. Eurotrip. So yet another stop on our Rotterdam road trip is done. Thank you, Corrie, for joining us on the podcast. What an absolute pleasure to finally hear from a listener on the show. And uh, hopefully that won't have put you off, Corrie, and you will continue to listen. Uh, I promise that Soteri will return. If that might turn you off, anyone listening, uh, he's never coming back again. Uh, one of those facts is true. Um, I'll let you work out which one. But uh, James, a very, very exciting final stop on our Rotterdam road trip next week. It is. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, so I'm not going to say anything else. Apart from, just to repeat what Rob said, the most special Rotterdam road trip guest we've had so far will be with us next week. I think he... he oh, 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 you've given something away there. I think he is the most special he could he could be. Yes, indeed. And be very careful not to give any more clues away. But it's safe to say uh, he is a man of the moment. Could mean anything. Could mm. be the mayor of Rotter... Oh, I've gone too far. Uh, it's the I king of the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a get, wouldn't it? It's it's not. It, it's any. It could be anyone, but it's definitely not the king of the Netherlands. <laughs> or uh, Onion the Cat. <laughs> it's definitely not those two. Anyway, uh, we, we said that that guest would be very special. 
But I tell you somebody else that is special. And that's right, that is a segue. Natalia Gordienko. Now, she is, of course, representing Moldova at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. She is one of the class of 2021. She was also one of the class of 2020. She was also one of the class of 2006. You may forget that. She represented Moldova in 2006 as well. So there was so much to ask her. But I do just want to paint a little picture for you of something that happened just before the interview began. And James told me that I had to share this with you. (laughs) Now, when I did the interview with Natalia Gordienko, she was in what looked like a beautiful hotel reception. Now, you know the sort. It was a luxury hotel. It was in Moscow, actually, uh, as she will mention in the the interview. Lovely chandeliers, nice lampshades. When you listen to the interview, you'll hear the ambiance behind her. So I thought as a little icebreaker, I would say to Natalia once we started the interview, uh, so I, she pops up on the on the computer screen, there I am at home, where I'm talking to you from now, and I said, Natalia, where you are, the hotel looks so beautiful, <laughs> which seems like a pretty innocent comment. Uh, Natalia Gordienko, however, uh, and to be fair to her, um, you know, her English, much better than my Moldovan, but she took that as uh, as me calling her beautiful and not the hotel. Uh, yeah, it, it was all a little bit awkward. Um, she then said, and I'm not going to do the accent, uh, she then said, oh, it's so wonderful for somebody like you to tell somebody like me that I am beautiful. It means so much. And at that point, James, I just had to roll with it, really. Well, well done to you for playing it cool. At least you didn't have to dig yourself out of a hole. At least you didn't misinterpret something else. Yeah, to be fair, I could have said much worse things. To be fair, like that was that wasn't too bad. Um, you said I, I play, I you know managed to roll with it. I don't think I did. I probably went bright red, and that probably put her on edge for the rest of the interview. I imagine. Yeah, is that the first time you've uh, inadvertently flirted with a Eurovision artist? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Um, Dia Norberg comes up quite a lot on this podcast. Uh, she was also on Malfest Monday, of course, uh, esteemed Eurovision backing singer who was one of the first guests on the podcast. And again, and maybe I should have learnt my lesson, I got myself into all sorts of knots because I said, oh, where you are, it looks lovely because she was in her grandma's house. And once again, she thought I was referring to her. So yeah. no, it isn't actually the first time that's happened. You should have learnt your lesson not to compliment the setting where an interview guest is. You should just not mention it. No, I should just say hello, and that would be fine, and that would have been fine. Anyway, after we got that ridiculous uh, interaction out of the way, I finally got down to the interview with Natalia, and as we said earlier on in the podcast, it is brilliant to have her on, because this is one of the only English-language interviews that she has given. A couple of things. You will hear her refer to 206. Uh, What she means is the year 2006, which is very much fair enough. Once again, her English far better than my Moldovan. And also, there is a very, very very strange anecdote about some honey and her music video. You heard a bit of it earlier. That's still to come. But I started by asking her how, with just a few weeks to go until Rotterdam, her preparations for Eurovision were going. You know, after the year of COVID year, I think for everybody who is going outside from his country, this is the big, uh, adve- the biggest adventure, the biggest happiness. What could uh, you know happen? Uh, something good, and really we have international, you know, dream team, and it was normal, and it's normal to travel and to be now. For example, I'm in Moscow. I just came from Kishinev, from my country yesterday. I've been like for five days with my baby. I've spent time. I was very happy because like mom I, I want to be with my baby but I understand that a lot of time we need for our rehearsals for studio for uh, different presentations for, for promo now I'm in Moscow tonight we have one event it's very big award music award and we are going together with uh, our superstar with Filip Kirkorov and I think you know him uh, a says he's a legend uh, he's a king like of Eurovision and uh, uh, like uh, next week week uh, I will come back to Kishinev and after this we are going to Athens to do final rehearsals with our gang because uh, uh, we have two guys dancers from Ukraine two guys from Moscow uh, my vocalist is from Greece uh, production team it's from Greece Russia and after this after 9 May in May we are going to uh, Holland already to Netherlands and 
it's very like logistics now it's very difficult because of covid because the boards are closed but uh, i'm already vaccinated and i'm uh, the happiest girl and uh, i have antibodies and this is the main idea and uh, with the force we are preparing for for the semi-final how are you finding the time to do everything because you mentioned there you know you're a mom you're traveling around performing at huge shows how are you finding the time to do all of this i think when you the main idea if you want i think that when you want something really wants uh, this uh, want this uh, and re- dreaming and working a lot uh, all this happens really in your life uh, firstly by my example uh, my baby is uh, give me a lot of uh, energy he gives me and uh, by my example i want to show him after years uh, him to see looking on his mom that really dreams come true if you want them uh, um, you know to and um, how I'm firstly I'm uh, Sagittarius I'm like fire and I'm very active and uh, I'm very positive optimist person and uh, in plus we have a lot of examples like powerful women that uh, have a very good career they looks uh, look amazing they have uh, families like Beyonce for example I this is my oh, unbelievable uh, and uh, I understand that everything is possible yes it's, it's very very difficult i'm um, i'm dreaming to sleep a little bit <laughs> i understand that uh, it will happen already in june uh, but uh, if i have now i understand if uh, god gave me this period of time like to work i need to work now after this i will have uh, time for my family more like you know like karma and now i need to work on this how do your two Eurovision experiences compare? Because, of course, you were at Eurovision in 2006, 15 years ago. It's a very different contest now. Yes, it's uh, completely different. Like in 206, I've been the uh, first time in Athens. It's like uh, symbolic. And now I'm working with the Greek uh, team. I've been in 206, but uh, the biggest um, difference because it wasn't my project. I was um, a, like a um, female voice in duet with uh, another guy, Arsenium. It was his project. And like uh, I needed to dance, to sing, to look good. But for me, it was very good experience. And after this, uh, I, um, I it was my first so big stage with so huge audience and uh, uh, I was stressed normally because I was 18 years old After this appeared, this big, uh, um, I understood that I want to go on this song contest by myself. And after 15 years, so it's ha- uh, this happened. And uh, I'm very happy. And uh, I'm, we are doing, you know, um, like all cont- uh, all uh, singers, and it's normal that we are going on this song contest. We want to take first place. But we understand that, firstly, this is a very big party of uh, countries, of nationalities, uh, of people. And uh, this um, uh, now it's very hard period of COVID. And uh, this uh, song uh, contest will unit us more and um, the, the main idea to uh, to uh, have good result but the most the biggest idea to rep- represent my country on the highest um, you know level like uh, but already place uh, uh, just God knows how, how it will be what's it like to represent a country like Moldova of course because you are you're very proud of where you're from but it's a country that you know, many people don't know a huge amount about. So, so what's it like to represent Moldova and showcase your country on the on the global stage? I love my country very much. I was born there. My parents, my baby was born there. And uh, we are small, really very small country. But the main idea that we have very nice and good, pleasant people. We have very nice women, very good wine. 
we are very open to tourists for uh, okay we don't have the mountains or sea and it's okay we don't have patrol but we have the our the best the biggest resource is our uh, our people people are very talented uh, a lot of people sing uh, very good dance we we have very nice and very you know powerful folklore when you hear music you don't understand about what this song but you want to dance i think this energy is the main idea and for me it's very uh, big responsibility to represent country on such a uh, big uh, song contest now tell me about sugar because i absolutely adore your song it's easily one of my favorite songs of the year you mentioned it before you get to work with the eurovision legend that is philip kirkorov yes for me is uh, this is i think the best experience in my life that i will not forget uh, and um, uh, last year we've done another song it was prison uh, i won with this song uh, our national selection in our country by by jury televoting like usually happens and this year we uh, like every country needed to do another it is to do another song and uh, dimitris kontopoulos our composer from greece amazing my lovely composer he was staying in restaurant and he was thinking we need to do we need to find a catch word you know like some everybody to understand and we don't he was thinking i don't want to do you know serious uh, song because life is uh, and already is so serious and we want to like um, and he was thinking and um, the lady from restaurant she came she brought uh, coffee with sugar and he was putting sugar and he oh you know like uh, uh, thing and yes sugar <laughs> this will be our uh, the word of our the main word of our song and after this uh, appeared lyrics in the russian uh, uh, a very big writer author Mikhail Gutseriev. and after this we've, do, uh, we've done an english version by sharon bond uh, she is a uh, grammy yeah, <laughs> and uh, like this, and after this, he we've been on Crete all together. We've had a weekend like a party in summer uh, with Philip, with Dimitris, and I have a demo version. If you would like, we will do this song. And he showed me this song, and I was very satisfied. Like, uh, and we've done this song. It's very, um, I like it song, this song very much because uh, I like this, you know, the energy of the song. It's very in balance, in harmony with me. And it's very important to you to feel uh, yourself in uh, this song. And uh, when I'm dancing, I really want to dance. Maybe uh, sometimes I want to dance more to give energy. But I understand, okay, if I will dance with more energy, I will not have possibility to sing well, you know, because if you are dancing so much, you need to... I like this song. We've done video with the uh, Ukrainian, very uh, big, uh, uh, very good star like uh, a regisseur and uh, video maker. Yes, like yeah. in English, correct? Yeah. Yes, uh, we've we've stayed like for one week there. It was absolutely lockdown. Uh, it was a, real, a little bit stressful, but we did uh, this work. Hope you like it. Come on. I'm sure I'm sure you will love the song. I I love the music video. I just wanted to talk to you about the music video for a second because it looks so much fun. You said it was stressful, but was it also fun to put together? It was fun, but it was a real stressful because I was dancing so much in this video. And when I came in Ukraine and designer, he showed me this high heel and he was telling me, it's so fashionable, you know, now Gucci last collection, they have like, and I'm telling, okay, but how I will dance? I don't, it's the main idea that it's very fashionable. You need to, to wear it in your video. And it was uh, funny because, uh, and in the end, uh, uh, like three uh, already 
it was free uh, free night uh, the end of filming they put honey on my face and I, I was and I needed to be you know sexy with this honey on my face and I and I was doing oh come on I want <laughs> like you know <laughs> but it was okay it came out very well. It, it was worth yeah, the effort. The, like result, it's very colorful. Uh, everybody likes uh, our ice creams dancing, and a lot of people are writing us. Hope we will see these ice creams on the stage. <laughs> what can you tell us? Will we see the ice creams on the stage? I will not tell you exactly what you will see on the stage, but I can say that you will see uh, these uh, dancing movements. We will do this because it's already. Uh, there are a lot of like guy, people that are doing this sugar challenge in different countries. Uh, you will see an amazing dress. Uh, when you finally get to the Netherlands, you're going to be spending loads of time in your hotel, of course. Have you I got? Know. Have you I got know. any? Have you got? I will open my window. <laughs> I will be the heir of the Netherlands. You know. <laughs> Have you got any plans on what you're going to do to keep yourself entertained? Uh, like, uh, okay, I will, when I will have, if I will not uh, be uh, able to go outside from the hotel, I will not have this possibility. I will watch uh, videos from Netflix <laughs> and then I will uh, eat popcorn. What I can do else because, no, I'm joking. <laughs> we will do rehearsals. Uh, we will have, I know that we will have meetings with journalists and I know that we will spend uh, time very, very good because we our gang is so good so we uh, we 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 know how to spend time good all together and I think it will not for us will not be a big problem uh, if we will not have possibility to go out we will spend and in the hotel good time I will do lessons with my vocalist because I'm doing every day uh, I will do sport in the gym because I need to be like in tonus and uh, because the last um, I've posted in my Instagram, my vocalist, she told me, uh, you are dancing, you are singing, you need to good look. Uh, and this is the life hack, you know, uh, you need to put your high heels uh, to and to go to the gym to sing to do sport on these high heels because uh, for for usually for singers it's very difficult to sing and to dance for your air breathing and uh, like this I have uh, like every day I'm doing this. Wow, that sounds like, intense. I like going in Cosmos, you know. <laughs> I'm preparing. <laughs> well, I hope you'll have time for Netflix as well. I hope you will still have time for some Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Natalia, I won't keep you for much longer, but I just wanted to ask what you would like to say to the people around Europe that can vote for your song. What would you like to say to them? It's normal that it's song contest and these, uh, we need everybody, every singer, we want everybody to vote us. But like I've told before, I think the main idea, people, if they will, uh, after listening of our song, their life will, you know, like, like, like this will be, will come better. They uh, smile, it will appear on their face, eyes will uh, sparkle. I think this is the main idea of the music of singers like and of this song contest. And normal, if uh, everybody will have this possibility to vote us uh, for us uh, for, to support us, um, I will I will tell thank you, thank you, thank you, <laughs> because we need this. As promised, Natalia Gordienko was bonkers, so much fun, and I really think we've hit it off. Lucky over the last few weeks, Natalia Gordienko, Tusa, Barbara Pravi, all three lovely artists who are representing their country this year. Yeah, I do agree. They've all been wonderful. Everyone we've spoken to, Albina, who of course was was the first person we spoke to when we started looking ahead to Rotterdam, Blind Channel as well. We've been so lucky to chat to so many of the class of 2021. And of course, there are more to come here on the podcast. And fair play to Natalia as well for just giving the answer that the rest of us would have given if we had to spend a really long time in hotel quarantine. Just going to watch a lot of Netflix. Fair enough. It's the answer we've been waiting for. Uh, I think everybody else has just been very well media trained and we've just come up with a fun answer. We all know everybody are going to kick off the shoes, close the door behind them, stick Netflix on. We all do it. I want to know what she's going to watch. Bit of Riverdale? I don't know. <laughs> what would you recommend? Uh, this has turned into an entirely different podcast, but if you had to recommend something for the artists this year, what would they watch? 
I think, and I think Natalia Gordien can be well up for this, uh, and I, we do know, don't we, already, that there is a big uh, Eurovision F1 crossover. So I reckon Natalia could uh, bosh through a couple of seasons of Drive to Survive. Oh, that I'd love to see. Well, there's three series there for her. I feel like we're now just promoting shows on Netflix. Imagine <laughs> if we get paid for this. That would be lovely. Uh, yeah, there's, there's boatloads of stuff on there for them. I'm sure they'll all be watching Netflix. Probably. Probably not, though. Uh, Netflix, by the way, if you're listening... Um, if you want to make a whole series out of the one second song for after our debut on uh, concert in the dark, our on-screen debut last week, you are very, very welcome because it is that part of the show. It is time for the one second song. James, tell everybody, because it, I feel like it normally ends up being me. Tell everybody what this part of the podcast is all about. I'll keep it very brief because hopefully you all know what the one second song is all about by now. Uh, it is, of course, the part where we play one another the very first second of a Eurovision song and all we have to do is guess what the song is, who the artist is, what year it's from and indeed what country it is from as well. So there's four points on offer. You, of course, can play along at home. And this week, it's me who's chosen the song and it's Rob, you're guessing. So, Rob, for the first time for you and, of course, you listening at home, here is this week's one second song. Okay, now that rings a bell is as far as I will go at this stage. First of all, I'm very surprised it even rings a bell because I really didn't think anybody would remember this song. I think I'm going to be able to give you a guess, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get the tenuous link, which is another layer of the one second song that we've added in recent weeks. But but anyway, before I do that, can I have it one more time? There it is. You've heard it twice now, you, Rob, and of course you listening at home. Let's get your guesses in. Rob, what do you think it is? So, we mentioned this contest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think. I think we mentioned the lengthy old semi-final from Eurovision 2007. And I think this was one of the songs that was part of that chunky old semi-final. I think, and this really is from the recesses of my mind, I think this is Austria 2007. Eric something like Eric Papalia, Eric Papalia, and Get a Life. I am astonished because it was terribly wrong. I can't believe you've scored four points <laughs> from that one second song. That is incredible. I used to give football analogies at this point, but I think what's happened there is that I've spotted the goalkeeper off his line and I've chipped him from the halfway line. Oh. <laughs> that is incredible. You are indeed correct. Uh, Eric Papalaya, which is, you were close enough with the pronunciation, but it was, it was Get a Life, Get Alive, Austria 2007. Oh, I am delighted with that. Oh, well, let's let's have a listen while I just, you know, enjoy my moment. Living in this world be a little too much. Don't let it get you down. Get up and strut. So there it is, Austria 2007, a song I'd be very impressed if many more of you listening at home uh, remembered that one. But of course, uh, there is also a tenuous link to this week's podcast. Could you guess it, Rob? I don't think you could. No, I'm struggling with that. So Austria 2007, what relates to 2007? Finland, that was the year after Natalie Gordienko went to Eurovision in 2006? No, I don't know. I've not got it this week. No, so of course, earlier on, you spoke to uh, the guys from Aussie Vision earlier on uh, to speak about Australia. Australia made their debut in 2015. Uh, 2015 saw a record 27 countries compete in the grand final. And the last time before that, that at least 27 countries performed in one show was 2007. Who was the 27th artist to perform? It was Austria with Get A Life. You have put more thought into that than I reckon you have almost anything else you've ever done. 
Christmas gifts, birthday presents, university work. <laughs> That's the piece of work that I think you should be most proud of. Yeah, it, I'm really impressed with that. And uh, actually, I'm a bit annoyed that you got it correct as well, because I thought that would have been the toughest one second song we've ever done. So kudos to you. Very well done. Uh, well done to you as well at home if you got it as well uh, the 2007 semi-final which has got a lot of press on this podcast recently I think it's out there if you want to check out the, the recap because the recap itself is about an hour long because there were so many songs in that show but oh wow I'm going to be basking in the glory of today's one second song for a very long time and rightly so very well done but now I think we've reached the end of this week's podcast. What a ride it's been. Thank you so much for joining us throughout this uh, very, very fun episode. But as I say, it's time for us to disappear. But we will be back very soon, next Wednesday, of course, with a brand new episode of the Eurotrip. Don't forget, you can keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send us any longer comments as well via email. We are hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Uh, but until next Wednesday, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, thank you very much for being there, as you are every single week. And you know what? Tell a friend. It's goodbye. That's a very nice jumper you're wearing for a very hot day. Yeah, it's uh, pretty toasty, to be honest. Like, honestly, this was a bad wardrobe choice. I didn't think it was as warm as it is today. I'm glad you kept it on. I didn't want you to take it off. No. I've got a little bit sunburned, and I'm not sure you're allowed to say that you get sunburned in April. That's a little bit embarrassing. for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.